grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. We're continuing our series in 1 Peter, and uh, in our text for today, uh, we had this great word, and Gordon's going to flip it up for us here. It says this, Now that you've purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, Love one another deeply from the heart. So that word there, that phrase, have sincere love for each other, is actually in the original Greek that the New Testament was written in, it's just one word. It's one word. Have sincere love for each other. And that one word is actually Philadelphia. It is. It's kind of weird, huh? The word's Philadelphia. It comes from two Greek words. First one is philos, which means love. And it's a type of like love you would have for your close family and friends. It's, it's that type of love. It's not love like you love pizza. It's not that love. It's not like uh, I love my coworkers because you know they help me out. And then you love them, but you don't love them, right? Philos is your family, your close friends. Those close bonds, that type of love. And it also comes from the Greek word adelphos, which is brother. So in older translations, it'll say something like this. It says, have sincere love for your brothers. And the new translation is like, well, it's a little broader than that. You might translate it like this. Have close family-type love for your brothers and sisters in the faith. It's a little bulky, right? For one word, it's a little much. And so the translators go with this. Have sincere love for each other. Have Philadelphia. And so in honor of this word, here we go. We're going full Philadelphia mode here. Yeah. There, there it is. Come on. Put on shirts. There we go. That's better, right? That's better, right? Oh, yeah. It's better. We're going full Philadelphia mode today. Therefore, that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, be Philadelphia. <laughs> yeah, and this is hard to look at because Philadelphia fans are known for being a very un-Philadelphia. Philadelphia football fans booed Santa Claus. True story. They blew, it, was a, it was a game, the season was bad, they were playing poorly, and it was halftime, and Santa Claus came out, and they made snowballs and threw snowballs at Santa Claus and booed him. And you might think to yourself, wow, that was, boy, people these days are so horrible, I'll tell you that. This was in 1968. <laughs> They're booing Santa in 1968. Philadelphia Eagle football fans are so bad that in 1999, they drafted Donovan McNabb. Right? Donovan McNabb goes on the podium to shake the commissioner's hand, get his Eagles hat, and the fans, the Philadelphia fans, booed him mercilessly. Welcome to your new team, Philadelphia. But regardless of the Philadelphians, Peter counsels you to be Philadelphian, to have sincere family-type love for every single person in this room, your brothers and sisters in Christ. And Peter had a very, a 
very solid reason for this. Because he's writing to the church in Rome, and at this time they're facing persecution. Pretty heavy persecution. And they needed one another. But the truth remains for you and for me today. Because we're not facing persecution like that, but we're living in a world that's dying without Jesus. And the only way, the only way they'll get to know what Jesus is like, the only way they'll be able to say, okay, Jesus loves like that, Jesus forgives like that, Jesus serves like that, Jesus has courage like that, is by looking at you. That's your calling. Peter, he says this, now that you've purified yourself by obeying, obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. It's like he's saying, now that you love one another, love one another more. Now that you Philadelphia, do some more Philadelphia. Load it up. So today we're going to talk about love. And when I say the word love, half the dudes in this room just checked out. They're like, mm, yeah, it sounds like a bad Phil Collins song. Not, no, I'm done. I'm done. And the other half of the room said, what are you talking about? You're out of your mind. There's no such thing as a bad Phil Collins song. <laughs> So today we're talking about a groovy type of Philadelphia. No one caught that? Uh, okay, I'm sorry. That's good. And the way I want to talk about it is in this, in this context. Love is a dude thing. Love is a chick thing. Love is a dude chick thing. Because on this Memorial Day weekend, we are celebrating those who love more deeply than anyone you've met. Probably. Because they gave their life. We're loving those who gave their lives so that you might be here, so you could be free, so you can worship, so you can vote, so you can complain about the government. You have the freedom to do that. Because they loved. Love's a dude thing. It's a chick thing. It's a good thing. So we're going to talk about love today. And to put it in a real concrete context, the best way I know that is through a book called Love Languages by a guy named Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman says there's five primary ways that you and I like to show and to receive and to give love. And he talks about those ways. And one of those ways is giving and receiving gifts. How many of you love Christmas? I mean, like you love Christmas. How many of you think it's it's wrong, not just, not just, not polite, but it's wrong to give gift certificates to everyone on your Christmas list. <laughs> See, most of you are like, oh, that's, that's a great, some, some of you think that's wrong. Some of you think you need to get a special gift that's individual and personal to that specific person. How many of you think that? That, that it's good to give a gift that's very special and personally puts a lot of thought and some time and some effort into it. Does that some of you? Okay, if you're like that, your love language might be giving and receiving gifts because that's important to you. I go online, gift certificate, gift certificate, gift certificate, gift certificate. <laughs> Done! <laughs> love it. I give them a gift, they like it, I give them cash, it fits everybody, right? <laughs> Done. That's not my love language. But for some of you, you love that. And some of you just realize that you're married to someone who likes to get gifts. And you're like, oh, bummer. <laughs> that sounds expensive. But it doesn't have to be. Because people whose love language is giving and receiving gifts like gifts of all types. 
a small flower will do the job. You know, a note on the car, uh, a little special something that says, hey, you're special and I'm thinking about you. Um, if you have employees who have this love languages, this love language, and you give them a Starbucks, they will work 110% for you because that's their love language. You just spoke their language. Next one is, is words of appreciation. And uh, that's my love language. I love, love to talk to people, say, I love you, you're doing great, you're awesome. When people say that to me, I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And when uh, my wife and I were first married, I assumed that's how everyone loved. So my wife and I are married, we've been married for a couple years. We go to California and we're doing the church thing. We have two kids, two infants, toddler and an infant. I'm super busy at church. And I'm thinking I am a great husband. Because I tell my wife all the time, she's beautiful, she's wonderful, I love her, she's awesome. And one year Christmas came up. I said, because my love language is not giving gifts, honey, what would you like for Christmas? Just tell me, I'll get it. I just need to know because I don't want to guess because that's not my love language. My wife said this, this is what I want. I want you to buy a calendar. I want you to write down on the calendar and schedule a date night once a month in pen. I want you to find the babysitter. I want you to take me out because these babies are driving me nuts. <laughs> so gentlemen, if your wife asks for a date from you for Christmas, just get on your knees and repent, all right? <laughs> Don't say, but I've been telling you that I love you. I've been, I tell you all the time that you're awesome. And don't like, I'm working so hard, I'm working so hard for you and the kids. Don't even go there. Don't justify, don't try to defend yourself. Just, just repent. Just repent. So guess what my wife's love language is? Quality time. Quality time. I was telling her all these great things, and in my head, I was doing a great job. But in her heart, I was doing a lousy job. Because it was the wrong language. Some of you just figured out your spouse right now. You're like, ah, that's it. Some of you just figured out your kids right now. Some of you just figured out your, your employees, employers. Because you learned this. Learn how to speak someone's love language. It's huge. Acts of service is another one. So if you've done premarital counseling with me, you've heard this story, so I apologize. But I was working with this couple in California. You don't know them. And I said, we do this exercise. It's a listening exercise. And I said, okay, I want you to uh, write down one thing that you would like your fiancé to do more or less often. So they write stuff down. I said, okay, now share, share what you'd like. And so she says, I would like it if you would love me more. We're months before their wedding. And she's throwing this bomb out. I'm looking at the clock going, we are going to run way over. She just dropped a bomb, right? Guy blows up. He's furious. He's like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? I go to your apartment, and I clean your apartment for you, and it's a pigsty. I clean your bathroom, and it's a mess. 
I, ch I change the oil in your car. I do all these things for you. And she says, I know, I know, I know, and, and thank you, but you don't love me. I'm, I'm the counselor. I'm like, I have no idea what you're talking about, honey. I'm so sorry. What do you mean? And she starts describing things. And she starts describing her family. And she says, my dad, he hugs me all the time. My dad gives me tons of hugs, and he tells me how special I am. And my mom, she hugs and kisses me all the time. What was her love language? Physical touch. What was his? Acts of service. They were like, zinc. <laughs> they were talking, but they weren't talking the same language. And so it took, it took about an hour. And finally she said this. Okay, this is what I want. I want a hug and a kiss when I see you. And then when we're watching a movie or TV, I want you to hold your hand and put your arm around me. Or if we're going for a walk, I want you to hold my hand. And then when you leave, I want a hug and a kiss. And the dude goes, oh, I can do that. Right? You just had to have someone translate for him. But when she translated, he realized he could speak that language. If someone told him real concrete terms, what they wanted. It's love languages. It's cool. It's good. But it takes time. It takes time. And... None of you here are fluent in all those languages. But you can learn a language. It's not too hard to learn a language. It takes a lot of time. It's not like, like, my, like Dave Sharp likes to say, it's not rocket surgery. Right? <laughs> you can learn a language. And so I want to challenge you. Talk to the people who are close to you, your closest people to you. And start thinking about them going, what's, what's my kid's love language? What's my spouse's love language? What's my coworker's love language? And if you're not sure, what does that person complain about most? That'll tell you, right? If they're like, how come we don't go out that much? You're like, ah, that's quality time, right? Think about that. And then see, how can I speak that person's language? And here's the cool thing. Jesus spoke every love language. Jesus is fluent in every love language. Jesus for so loved the world that he gave himself to you. That's a big gift. And Jesus said, greater love has no one than this, that he laid down his life for his friends, and you are my friends. Those are words of appreciation. Jesus served. He fed. He healed. He gave his life. He gave acts of service. One of the most incredible things about Jesus is physical touch. Over and over again, you'll read in the scriptures how people come to Jesus who are unclean. And that culture and that era were not allowed to touch them. And what Jesus does, he doesn't just heal them, which he can do by saying. He can speak it. But he did more than that. He would touch the leper. He would touch dead bodies. He would touch those who were bleeding and were ceremonially unclean. He touched them. Because he loves you like that. And they spent time. 
spent time with his disciples, he spent time with people, he spent one-on-one time, he did large group time, he just spent time with people because he loved them. And we live in a world that's dying without Jesus. They're dying without love. And the only example they have of that is us. Church. Gordon, can you go back one slide for us, sir? Zach. Gordon's over here. Zachary's over there. Isaac's in college. <laughs> Isaac's right there. You're going back to college tomorrow. <laughs> I do it to my own kids. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I have all men confirmation. They're all awesome. Okay. Thanks, Zachary. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have so that you have Philadelphia, so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. One of the reasons we spend so much time in that greeting time is so you can have actual conversation. So you can love one another deeply from the heart. Because to show love, it just takes some time, some conversation. Um, we live in a world that's dying for that. That people know they matter, that someone cares. And God calls you, the church, God calls us to be a part, a part of that. And you can't do that all those five different ways. And if you try, you'd be exhausted and burn you out. If you did it one of those ways, that'd be powerful. And I don't know what that looks like for you. One of the things we do here at Gracious Savior is we throw out opportunities. Try this, try this, try this, try this, try this, to see which one sticks for you. To see how can you can love people here and love people here the way that God's gifted you to speak and to show and to communicate love. Because some people just need a hand on the shoulder. Topper's coming back. Guess which topper's love language topper has, right? Is this physical touch, right? Who's topper? He's the guy hugging everybody. Right? That's his gift. What's yours? What's yours? What's your love language? And how is God gifting you to share that to people here and to those who don't know Jesus Christ yet? Because Jesus loves them. He loves them. He died for them. He's asking you, his hands and feet, his mouth, to share that love. So what does that look like? Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for your Philadelphia. Thank you that you loved us like family. And that you came and you gave your life for us, Lord. Lord, this weekend we lift up our men and women in the military who gave their lives for us too. Lord, we pray for a time when no one will have to do that ever again. We pray for peace in your world. Until then, Lord God, we thank you for those who serve in our military. We thank you for those who are serving overseas. 
And we pray for a time that they may all come home, Lord. We lift up our first responders, our police officers, firefighters, emergency personnel, uh, ER uh, doctors and nurses and staff. We thank, all, thank you for all those who are on the front lines of chaos, uh, confusion, danger, and evil. And Lord God, we lift ourselves up to you. We say, Lord, thank you for loving us. Thank you for loving us in a multitude of ways. Lord, how can we love those in our family? How can we love those in our church? And how can we love those in our community in just one way? For our joy and for your glory. Amen. Amen. Stand in prayer.